Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mixed Company. Yo. It's freaking 2018. We're back. And we are actually... We just had an exciting conversation before we started the show about horoscopes, about newer, new beginnings that we're planning for the year. And I feel like we're just genuinely excited about what's to come this year. My life has changed. My life is my life has changed. I, I think I don't necessarily think your it life has changed. My life you know, has changed. Know, my life has changed. It's, it's like confirmation. Yeah, because I feel like right. we've we've been talking about all of these things amongst ourselves, and we've been kind of like pushing each other into these spaces. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, look at this thing that's been written out about my existence. In my I life. know. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about that another show. We need to get like an astrologer <laughs> or something in here. But just a word to the wise: if 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 you're into horoscopes and you're out here looking for some inspiration or whatever, might I suggest you find a free birth chart reading and forget your sun sign, forget your moon, forget your rising, forget all of that. Scroll all the way to the bottom and find you your north node and go look out what go look up what that north node means for your life. And if you don't do a shout around the room, then I will give you all free 99 cents that you just spent listening to this back to you. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's serious. But beyond just being out here and, and just being excited about essentially speaking our, our lives into existence, which I feel like that's what we did last year. We set some like really oh, yeah. serious goals for ourselves. Uh, we achieved them. 2018 hit. You know, we did a little shmoney dance or whatever, and it's like, we're excited. I think we're new people at the beginning of this year, despite everything that's happening in our exterior and politics and the industry. Um, Rent is still too damn high, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) we're still out here living. So we're going to kick this year off um, by reading uh, a listener question that actually came in over the break. Um, while we were at home um, stuffing our faces with turkey, mashed, excuse me, mashed potatoes and uh, whiskey or Hennessy, if you're Simeon. Um, well, I I'm had curry right fish. There. You don't drink <laughs> no, no, Hennessy no. anymore? I was, I was watching a video yesterday, and um, this woman who's over 100 years old, her doctor prescribed her Hennessy like 30 years ago. For what? Because she had... Um, low blood pressure or something and he said drink hennessy and he told her to take a shot of hennessy so she's been taking a shot of hennessy for like the last <laughs> 30 40 years and she's over 100 years old okay so that's my medicine <laughs> and you can continue no that's fine <laughs> i've heard you know drinking a glass of red wine is the same as running a mile i've also heard um what happened this this old woman also in her hundreds said that her secret to life is eating bacon every day. <laughs> like, I've heard many things. So if, you know what? Everybody has a thing. Stick I to do. yours. It's brown liquor. Anyway. It's the yak. It is the yak. Shout out to Shannon. He know. Uncle Shannon. He know. Um, so I'll go ahead and read this uh, uh, question, storyline question, and then we can respond as usual. All right. So, hey, y'all. Um, I'm reaching out to you all in hopes for some support and some insight. As you, um, 
you may not know, so let me tell you, I have been planning to direct uh, a play for students um, in my program. Um, as the assistant director of this production, uh, they've added a second director onto the show, assistant director onto the show. Um, this addition was never discussed or mentioned to me during my in-person conversations with the director and the producer. It wasn't in my contract, nor was it mentioned um, in separate conversations, which we have had throughout the, throughout the uh, past weeks. So here's the struggle, and this is all based on my feeling as one. I'm the only black person on the, on the assistant directing, uh, directing team. Uh, two, the only American on the AD team. And three, the only black person working with leadership this season. It feels like the other ADs have been given the opportunity to enjoy and have independent, an independent experience with direct and solo camaraderie with the director. It also feels like the one black person doesn't have the team's confidence and needs and needs backup while the other uh, ADs are presumed or white ADs are presumed to be more capable and trusted. Am I taking this too far? Am I imagining things? Or or is my gut telling me or is my gut trying to tell me something? Uh, your advice would be helpful and appreciated. Okay. Okay. Just for the record, I do know how to read um, <laughs> out loud. I totally know how to read out loud. I was just reading that for the for the first time. Okay, what are we, what are what are some thoughts? I mean, I think one of the first things that um, comes to mind is that whatever you're feeling, you're feeling, and I think that's that's something that we all kind of need to lean into moving forward, especially. I mean, just not going to diverse, but if you're if you're feeling something, you're feeling it, and there's a reason you're feeling it. Um, and one of the things you should always start doing is doing a self-assessment, and I think you're already doing that when you're saying, am I overreacting? Am I reading too much into it? And if you took the time to write this letter after asking yourself those things, then what you're feeling is probably, what you're feeling is probably legit, because that's that's sort of your um pressure check so to speak yeah it's and it's definitely it's definitely a pressure check um sorry I'll, let me let you finish yeah so i would say so so now that you know that you're you're feeling it the question is how do you approach it because right. if what what she, what she's describing or he's describing is so common it's almost like the playbook for being the token in an environment, especially when whatever the outcome is, is, is technically subjective. So now you need to figure out what the strategy is um, to not only, I guess, not only protect yourself, but to ensure that your vision for what you intended actually happens as it was intended. Um, how you do that, I guess it all depends on how it's structured, but it's, I would start by like writing it down. And starting that email thread where you can start holding people accountable and making sure that roles are identified um, and who's handling what it is identified. Because that's usually what sort of starts to check things, especially when people see things in writing. Like when you start seeing stuff in writing, I feel like mm -hmm. that's when their guards go up. 
a little bit. And when their guards go up, they're a little bit more sensitive to what they're saying and what they're contributing to a situation. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. Um, I also would like to add uh, some additional perspective. It's not different perspective, but it's definitely additional um, because this is a, a theme that comes up in a lot of the questions that we not only ask ourselves internally as as a team, as a group, as friends, but also that people ask us um, leaning on the podcast for advice. So one of the things that I want to offer about feeling bias or feeling that there is bias against you or bias pushing against us is that we often question ourselves like, damn, like, is it really because I'm black? Is it really because I'm a woman? Like, these people can't possibly hate the color of my skin or hate my gender. And quite honestly, they probably don't. Um, the long story that I have been explaining to people in, in the last couple months is there might just be a difference in opinion on approach to life and how we handle certain situations that are essentially that essentially tie back to how we've been socialized. And a lot of us have been socialized based on, you know, generational, um, generational values. So, and I could give tons of things that may come across as stereotypes, but the reality is many people that are, are, are raised as African American in the United States, Caribbean American, Latino American, um, uh, Irish American, Italian American, Greek American in the United States, act differently according to the privileges that are that are afforded to us in our lives. We go after different things. We feel entitled to different things. We question different things. We over-prioritize certain things. Um, and the reality is a lot of it is tied back to our culture, which tends to be split, unfortunately, in the United States based on our race. So as we talk about white privilege, many white people approach things differently and are more comfortable having certain conversations with their white counterparts because they just get it. They understand the nuance. They understand the privilege. They speak the same language. Um, it's the world they were raised in. As black people, we tend to question a lot of things. We tend to, we tend to question ourselves, rather, a lot more. Uh, we tend to not want to go after certain opportunities as uh, strongly, I would say, as our, or as aggressively as our white counterparts out of a fear of being disrespectful to other people. Mm -hmm. We just approach life differently. That part is the fact that's generational and it's because of how we are received in society. So you may very well be feeling biased and ex biased and experiencing bias. And we absolutely can tie it back to race, the culture of race, or rather the social construct of race. And I would like to offer for all of us this year to stop second-guessing ourselves when we say I'm feeling a certain way and I believe it is about our race understand that race is a social construct that essentially has produced a certain set of norms that people follow based on the privileges that are afforded to us 
And with that being said, you may be treated based on the values that come out of that social construct for you. So I'm going to say, if you're feeling that people aren't agreeing with your values and the things you say, and they don't think the things that are important to you are important to you, and may even feel that the way, the, the values that you are um, pushing forth or trying to push forth in this AD position or role, if they don't think that's important, that is a bias. They don't think that what you think is important. They think you're crazy for thinking what, what for you deciding something is important that is not important to them. What that does mean, though, with me explaining that, if that makes sense to anybody, because that is a long-winded way of saying, yes, it's about, it can be about race and you are feeling bias. What you should do is make sure that, A, you open your mouth and you let them know, hey, I'm feeling that X, Y, and Z situations that have just happened are unfair. Let them know that you are expecting to work independently. Excuse me, I had to burp. Ooh, so ladylike. Let them know that you are expecting to work independently and that this is not in line with what your expectations were and that you want to do this on your own, that you're happy to work with whatever they give you, but this isn't what you expected and this isn't what you wanted. Because the reality is, even if that doesn't change anything, you don't want anybody to say they didn't know how you felt. Because the reality, re the reality is when, when you start to work in a from a position of frustration and they start to wonder why all of a sudden you feel you seem disinterested and like you don't want to be there anymore and they start relating that to your work ethic because all of a sudden now um, you're not a team player, they can't say that they didn't know this was going to happen when you told them that this isn't the way you wanted to work. I agree with that. And I feel like that might not solve your issue, but I feel like that puts you in a position to, have, to be empowered because now everybody is aware that you're uncomfortable and not just you. And however you choose to play the game after that, whether it be to go somewhere else or stay there and, and assert your position, people are very clear on what side of the fence you're on. And the side of the fence that you're on is I deserve to have the same opportunity to work independently as my other peers, as I am just as capable as they are. And, you know, to piggyback off of that, I think one of the key things you hit on is like your values. And one of the things that I feel like, whether you're a person of color or you're a woman, whatever group you're a part of, when you start expressing your values to the people that you work with, how they respond tells you everything that you need to know yep. about whether or not you, you, need to keep, be there. you need exactly. to keep working with these people. Because if we're talking about, and I think one of the things we also need to talk about this year is is mental health. If we're talking about mental health and self-care and you're putting your values on the table and your values are not being respected and upheld in the manner that you feel like they should be upheld, start planning your exit strategy because there's no place to go there but down. And, and you obviously want to go up. What were you about to say? No, I agree. I mean, I think I've, for me, I've come from a place where I did not express how I felt and mainly just to, to not get into any political problems at the office. But um, there is, if you don't say, like, exactly and in, in a way, you know, say it, like, appropriately, like, what is bothering you, 
then no one will ever know and you will get into a situation where it starts when people start questioning your work ethic and and to come up from that when that situation happens when it gets to that point is very hard to change people's minds and sort of speak so at this time if you can announce and you can say you know and express that you know these are against your values this is not what you signed up for you know then people can reset and abide to your expectations like if they don't then you already know like you know people not here for you then you know they ain't shit whatever you plan what you need to go wherever but at least you announced it and i think learning from my own personal experiences even last year even up until the present like i wish i did that earlier Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't get to a point where people questioned my work ethic and and when or even when you flip and you and people see you after you leave it's not like oh that's a 180 or or question oh why didn't you say this earlier we just want everybody to be clear we just want to be transparent in the new year zora neale hurston said it best if you if you're silent about your pain they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it we want people to know that we're not enjoying the pain right um and 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 we believe that you should assert yourself and let them know that you're hurting you may not necessarily be in a position to go elsewhere right now but you damn sure don't necessarily need to to be silent um or arrogant but definitely you don't need to be silent about your pain so speak up and let them know um and and let us know how that goes i'd really like to hear uh if 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 this is a happy ending or if there's just a transitional ending. Or, and one other thing, do not allow people to silence you after you make, right? after you say your grievances and whatnot. Totally. All right. Well, that's dope. Thank you, listener, for your letter. Um, hope to hear from you soon on an update. Uh, and with that, we can go ahead and transition into some ain't shit or some dope shit. Dope shit. All right. <laughs> you going to go first? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can go first. Uh, yeah, my dope shit is pretty simple. Um, Black Panther's advanced sales have been, like, the strongest Marvel release to date. And it's because black people. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> right? end. <laughs> right, simply. Like, I mean, I think when we, when we keep talking about diversity and inclusion and how important representation is, Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we keep talking about is, you know, what's the business case for it? And the business case is money. If you're doing things that represent us, that we feel um, that we're excited about, we will show up and you will make money because we're always down to do shit for the culture. Absolutely. And I think that's that's what this is a testament to. And I, I think it's it's so crazy that they're not in the mindset of doing this more often because when you when you think about all the cultural moments that have happened over the last two years, Insecure, um, Black Panther, my, my brain's drawing a blank, but when... Everything. Everything. Ava DuVernay. Right. <laughs> like, so whenever it's done and it's done with being respectful and being diverse and inclusive in mind we show up and that's the business case for it so i think if if anything you know we were talking about this before we started the show what should like what should we all be leaning on this year and it's mobilization and so 
this is an example of what happens when we mobilize because I don't think this was just a fluke. I think Marvel was responding and Marvel's always kind of been responding to the call for diversity and inclusion with black Superman and black Spider-Man and all these things. So this is this is the evolution of us calling for representation and us mobilizing when it's given in a way that we appreciate. So that's my dope shit. I got my ticket already. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a side story. Let me not say that. Like yeah, that. I'm totally story. going to see Black Panther. Me too. I just heard word on the street was that, that there's a big invite going out that I wasn't on with a whole bunch of people that I know. So it's fine. I'm going to make my own invite with the yeah. other set of people that wasn't invited. Well, what you could probably do is you could do, because <laughs> the, in, the invite is an all-male invite. Oh. So it's an all-man invite. Like Somebody's hmm. I just want to go see Black Panther <laughs> with my dudes or whatever. Y'all so corny. Oh, my God. It's so sixth grade. Get over yourselves. You know, I, Nobody I, I'm not mad. I, I appreciate it. Because, Male bonding in the movie theater. Yeah, why not? Why not? The boys club. The boys club. Mm. This, I, 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 you know, and the other, the other thing is, like, when I saw it, I was like, mm, I don't know half of these people, but, you know, coming out of last year, and I, this also leads into the topic of what we're talking about today, um, is I'm, I'm looking forward to having more conversations and group settings with other men so that we can discuss all the that's shit that's fair. going you can have your that's fun. that's going down you're gonna go uh, for that pivot it's fine. <laughs> well so that's, i that's, just have fomo <laughs> i just hate being left out of things it's fine um yeah i i, I feel like um <laughs> um I mean, FOMO, FOMO is, is, is fine. So, you know, I mean, I'm also, I'm also willing to go multiple times. I have multiple dashikis, so I can do this. That's all right, friend. We don't have to go together. We don't have to go as a team. We can go as individuals. Listen, my desktop, apparently I need to learn how to be more independent. So I go by my damn self. I'm going to go watch Black Panther in my own dashiki by my damn self and be black, be proud. Can I give you a suggestion? On which movie theater to go to to yeah. watch it by myself? Well, we should go to the fancy one. Didn't I just tell you I was going by myself? I'm just kidding, Karina. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you should go to Alamo by yourself. Oh, I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's fine. By myself, I mean with Karina. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Um, I just wanted to speak to the one point you 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 made and then go ahead into my dope shit. But I want to clarify that's not a one-off. Let us not forget that 2017 bought us the amazing... Um, girls trip. Speaking uh, yes, of, yes, yes, that's what I. Was speaking of, say. speaking of all boys trip to the movies. Girls trip, girls trip was popping last year, um, and that also broke uh, records right. in the box office, having a, a, a very large turnout um, from the African American or let me just say black audience in general. Because uh, I actually saw quite a few of my cousins in Panama posting it like when they all so, went to the movies together to see it so um it's not a one-off it's not a fluke these are things that happen by accident it's what happens when we feel that we are being represented properly in the media so yes. shout out to everybody doing the damn thing for the culture speaking of culture um and speaking of oh man listen i love karma 
I love petty. Listen, I, I know. I but know. does that it, match with your nodes? Probably, no, is it that doesn't. a line? It doesn't. It really doesn't. But I just, I, my comfort zone allows me to enjoy karma. It, it allows me to uh, look for the universe to kind of handle itself and sort itself out. Um, so uh, whether you know it or not, I, I, I was for a long time a huge, huge, huge fan, excuse me, of the Today Show for a long time. Um, and I, um, I essentially stopped watching the Today Show, uh, was it last summer? No, last spring, um, when Tamron Hall was replaced Mm -hmm. or was said to be replaced by, uh, uh, Megyn Kelly, Mm -hmm. um, who would be joining in the NBC network that in the summer of 2017. And I have seen enough shows or enough Megyn Kelly, uh, shows, on Fox and watched enough clips and read enough tweets to know that she's not necessarily my cup of tea. My cup of conservative tea. My cup of conservative tea comes from a like a John McCain uh, and Anna Navarro. You know, people with some sense about themselves. You know, we may not necessarily agree politically, but you're not just going to be a whole asshole about it. Now, hashtag never forget, Megyn Kelly tried to tell kids that Santa wasn't black, as if Santa was real and as if Santa couldn't be black. Because Megyn Kelly has clearly never gone to the mall to see the Santas, where I have also gone to see the Santas, where the Santas don't necessarily look uh, white-faced, pink cheeks, rosy nose. Anyway, that's petty. She's also said a whole bunch of other crazier things. (laughs) Um, But that was the one that did it for me with her, where I was like, now you out here messing with the kids. Anyway, so I stopped watching uh, the Today Show. I also uh, was a huge fan of um, of Anne. Oh, no, I forgot her name. But Anne. Anne used to be. Anne Curry. Anne Curry, who was a correspondent on the Today Show for a long time, and we know that that was a petty mess because she also left uh, due to some shadiness that happened in the back, uh, behind the scenes on the show. Fast forward to the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. um, the wrath that was 2017, the uh, let them fail movement, as I'm now calling it, because that's I feel like that's what 2017 was for a lot of people. It was just we're just going to let brands and uh, disrespectful men, sexist men and uh, patriarchal uh, perpetuating patriarchy, perpetuating men fail. Um, and Matt Lauer was actually let go. America's man sweetheart was actually let go from the Today Show because of a sexual harassment lawsuit that had been filed against him during his time working for the Today Show. Now, this leads me to my favorite part. Y'all know I like wine. Um, I also love Hoda Kotb. I follow her on all of her social media channels. I appreciate that she allows us every now and again on the Today Show to watch her get her hair done. And if you don't know, her hair is extremely coarse um, as her African roots uh, push through and she's just a fun person and a really good reporter they promoted the today show promoted her to co-anchor um and the today show now has a two uh a a completely woman anchored show um or or hosted co-hosted show with savannah guthrie and hoda Kotb. um savannah's cool hoda's the best 
Um, it's nice to see them promote a woman of color. It's nice to see them in, into the role that a man that uh, a man as powerful as Matt Lauer has been uh, on that show. They decided that Hoda was the best person to fill, to fill his shoes, um, to replace him rather. Um, and also, she's fun. Like she's fun. She gets it. She's personal. If you've ever seen her in real life. Um, and that's a big statement to make that a, a, a woman of color like Hoda Kotb could actually should actually be the one deserving enough to replace a man like um, like Matt Lauer for a seat or position like that. Um, and I'm sure there will be lots of talk about tokenism. Um, I'm sure there will be lots of talk about um, just trying to to do a, P, a PR stunt. But the reality is this woman has done everything she has been with the network for years she has reported on wars disease the olympics on several occasions and and at in the last few i guess the last 10 years she was just doing it for fun on the nine o'clock hour just talking about lifestyle um so it's nice to see a change like that i am back to watching the today show daily before i get ready for work and go deal with the world um and congratulations to hold to to hold a woman as kathy lee gifford likes to call her that's the homegirl in my head for morning news. So that's my Aww. dope shit. And she's a little new. I love baby. her. I would so go for dinner and drinks with her. Yeah, I might even babysit. It. She got a little baby now. Yeah, I babysit. I would. I would babysit too. Hold it. Let me know what you need, girl. <laughs> so my dope shit is about the one and only Oprah Winfrey. As you guys may know, in the whole 75-year history of the Oscars, um, Oprah Winfrey is the first black woman to win the Cecil female award golden globes oh golden globes i'm standing corrected well it can be same no no it's not the same but it's cool. no, well, no, okay because oscar is older and a different thing but anyway golden globes cecil cecil demille award she mm-hmm. won um if you haven't seen her her speech i suggest you look at the transcript or go on the video it's incredibly touching um i am a true fan of the o of auntie o um But there's one part of the speech that I truly, truly love, and I'm going to read it now. Um, Let me start. We also know that it is the time of, it is the dedication to uncovering the absolute truth that keeps us from turning a blind eye to corruption and to injustice, to tyrants and victims and secrets and lies. I want to say I value the press more than ever as we try to navigate these complicated times. Which brings me to say this. What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. And I am especially proud and inspired by all the women who have felt strong enough and empowered enough to speak up and share their personal stories. Each of us in this room are celebrated because of the stories that we tell, and this year we became the story. But it's not just a story affecting the entertainment industry. It's one that transcends any culture, geography, race, religion, politics, or workplace. If, you're, if you've seen all of Oprah's work, you know, from the Oprah Winfrey show, from how she got when she was creating the Oprah Winfrey show to all the multiple things that she creates now, it is to allow people to speak their truth. And we're in this time where we are where people feel empowered to uncover the truth and actually have, we actually have the space 
to tell our stories and people are watching it and it's becoming a reality and we're being successful and people are listening, you know, I think that's so powerful. And I think, you know, Oprah's done it for so many years, but to see it happen in a, a great magnitude and scale is just empowering. And, you know, I'm so happy that she, the, the award is so, so well-deserved and, you know, I think she's dope, she deserves it, and I think this speech was amazing. If you feel that you're not, if you feel Lana Lowe one it. day, we just read it. it. I know everybody posted like 75 billion times last week, <laughs> but they could go for 7 billion one. Hey. You can repost it. Yeah, but anytime you feel alone or whatever, I suggest you read, particularly this paragraph, but watch the whole video. And congrats to Oprah. Yeah, Oprah deserves everything. I mean, I don't care. People say a lot of things about Oprah. I've seen people say that, like, she perpetuates white patriarchy recent this week. I've seen people post pictures of her with Donald Trump and with Harvey Weinstein this week. Like, you could say whatever you want about Oprah. Mm-hmm. You could say whatever you want about her making all this money and about her hanging with uh, these, quote-unquote, these, not even quote-unquote, I mean, it's real, these rich white people and how she's not for the culture. But I will say there has not been content that she has produced in my child, in my lifetime, that I feel was not, did not keep the culture in mind. Before we were talking about doing things for culture, I think Oprah has kept culture first. And not just, not not specific to only black culture, but also like culture in general. Like as a human, what should you be like? Right. As a woman, how can you be empowered? And as a black person, and as black people, how can I help to represent the best of who we are for others? Because there were there are a lot of like the reality is for a lot of time, for for a long time, Oprah probably was the most important, not because she is the most important person, but because she had the largest platform, she was the most important uh representation that we had on TV of what it meant to be a successful black person. Definitely. And I think so. She deserves whatever. Listen, she <laughs> I, she ain't do no wrong in my in my book. Like at this point, I can give her one slip up. <laughs> well, it, I think it's you know, there's one thing that we talk about doing things for the culture and whatever, but it's seeking the best, seeking the seeing the the culture in its in its honest form, but showing that you can be your best. And even even when you fail, even when you slip truth. up, even when you do things wrong, because she had her missteps. So like, you can still do your best. You can still bounce back. You can still win after failure. Like all of those things. Child, I ain't gonna lie to you. I cried when it was her last episode of the Oprah Show because I didn't know what I was gonna watch at four <laughs> o'clock when I go home from school. That was real life. What am I gonna watch? And there was Ellen, so I was all right, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what's up. That's dope. Um, before before we break to our main topic, um, can I do a bonus? Bonus dope shit. Ain't, ain't shit dope shit because oh. I just feel like we need to talk about it, which is the H and M controversy. Oh, I feel like that's on. gonna help us transition anyway. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. So, if you've been to clarify, un- I'm assuming this is some ain't shit. Yeah. Mm. Mm. No. Okay. Plot oh, twist. I want to talk about it, friend. It's two minutes though. I I, I say it's a hybrid, and I'm so just real quick. If you've been under a rock, there was um, a product put on the H and M site 
that had a little black boy modeling a hoodie that said coolest monkey in the jungle. The internet went crazy. More specifically, black people were like, what the fuck? Because if you know anything about racial slurs, black people were called monkeys and apes and all of the above in that category. Um, so people saw it and they said, what the hell is wrong with H&M? Here's the thing, right? And and this is why I completely say it's like, it's not a complete ain't shit. This, it, it is ain't shit because it goes back to why we do this show, which is diversity and inclusion, having people of diverse backgrounds and um, ethnicities at the table when decisions are being made so that we avoid shit like this. Because in reality, when I look at the shirt, coolest monkey in the jungle, knowing that a lot of parents use monkey as a term of yeah, endearment for their kids, it's like, eh, whatever. But putting it on the black boy is what made it controversial. So then when you look at the yeah. other shirts that were being modeled, and 100% you have agree. The, the white kid who is wearing like a survivalist specialist t-shirt, mm-hmm. um, all the s- nod to Tarzan. Right. Right. So all someone in the room or at, at the shoot had to do, do was basically go switch the uh, switch the switch sweatshirts those two shirts because this ain't going to go over. This well. ain't going to go work. This, this ain't going to work. And so when we talk about diversity and inclusion and people question it and they 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 don't understand the reason for why there's a there's a business case for it. Like this is the business case. It's having someone to simply say that's not going to work. Don't do that. And also, then speaking, going back to that, um, to our listener question, having the social equity in that corporation for someone to actually go, you know what? You're right. Let's switch shirts. Yep. That was my bonus. Dub shit ain't shit. I, I 100% agree. A lot of people were really, a lot of people are still today, as we record, really mad at that, and as they should be. Um, they call it racist. And again, like I said, the social construct. Right. Um, if we, I, I'm starting to believe that if we can get to a point where we recognize and understand the values that we share with people that are not the same as us. Right. Like, I know it's so easy for us to, but we're all human and we're all the same. And yes, if we look at the composition of our cells and our organs and all of these biological things we are biologically the same but the reality is we have been socialized for the past however long slavery has has lasted in the entire world imperialism quite honestly has lasted in the entire world and i'm going back to my howard days to talk about this it is because of those events of expansion imperialism um slave trade etc caste systems that has brought us to a place that we have been socialized to respond a certain way to trauma. Mm -hmm. The trauma in the Western Hemisphere, quite frankly, due to the Atlantic slave trade is people are, people, black people get upset when we're called monkeys. It's the representation. It had I seen a little boy wear that sweatshirt at school, I probably wouldn't have said anything. It wouldn't even have crossed my mind. When I saw the picture of the little boy, who was absolutely adorable with the most chocolatey, delicious skin ever, like so cute, 
looking so empowered and feeling looking so fearless wearing this shirt labeling him a monkey knowing that there are uh caricatures of black people from like the 1910s 20s 30s looking like monkeys essentially saying that we were idiots because before you know before ignorant people did uh research they didn't realize that monkeys are actually smart creatures (laughs) then there's that but that was meant to be that was just as bad as calling somebody a nigger back in the day. Right. So if you don't have that context, if you don't understand my values, you shouldn't be marketing to me. Because what might be cool for most of us that don't have that context, there are still generations of people that are still alive that when they were that young boy's age, that young man's age, they were called monkeys and it was not cute. And it was nothing to be promoted. It's just research, y'all. And also, um, another point of this story is the little kid's mom which yeah um, again because if she she probably would have brought that for him sent him to school it would have meant nothing it is in the context of advertising in the context of putting our faces uh in public spaces and essentially exploiting us because that is what advertising Mm -hmm. is exploiting us when you think about black exploitation monkey is not the way to do it in a way that feels good for us period and h&m said i got my little email they said they got it wrong they said they sorry honestly at this point that's all i want to hear from everybody i got it wrong i was wrong i i I also want to hear how they're going to make sure that this isn't going to happen again um and i and i think you know in in you know like i was saying earlier when we talk about action you know, there's a playbook that all of these companies are using at this point. Like the the verbiage that they're using when they get called out is very similar. And so for me, it's like, all right, cool. You, you know what to say to sort of cool the fire down. But what are you actually going do. to, to do? Um, I think that's a good point. Because and like, that'll take us into the, co- the yeah, topic. Because I, I think this at this point, and we were talking about this before we started the show, um, you know, how this era that we're in right now mirrors, you know, the last big civil rights movement. Um, so for me, like, it's like, all right, we we can easily point back to that space and time and start identifying when it started to cool down, where, where we fell short. And I want to make sure that we don't fall short again. And so the only way to do that is to actually demand that we you know, demand the receipts. Like if you're if you're saying you're going to make sure that this never happens again, we want to know how you're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is diversity and inclusion. It's making sure that your organization is diverse and inclusive and you're giving the social equity to those people who are not like the majority within the organization. Well, speaking of all of that, so 2017 was the year. We're, we're saying that that was the year of the silence breakers or how I've been affectionately speaking to it. Um, over the past couple weeks, it was the year that we let them fail. Um, that is a sentiment that I have shared with many people. Simeon, I know you said that countless times last year. Um, sometimes you got to just let people fail, and a lot of people failed last year. They failed black culture. They failed people of color. They failed women. They failed themselves in those that like to uh, uh, refer to themselves as liberal and conscious and, and AKA woke. Um, so in the year of letting them fail, uh, a, a quite a, a couple movements came out of the 
um, traumatic conversations that we were having towards the latter part of the year, uh, specific to times, hashtag times up and the hashtag me too movement. Um, and I want to clarify for everybody that rolls their eyes when I say hashtag, I think how we communicate, um, as a, as a community, as a greater community, is through social media, and I don't think that it's something for us to negate anymore or to 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 diminish as something that's powerful. Um, the hashtag is the call to action. The movement itself is real, and with those uh, movements, we saw that people said, people talked about the issue. The issue was sexual harassment happened to many women, many of us in general, um, and therefore. Our stories about Me Too, this has happened to Me Too, came forward with uh, mentors that had made us feel uncomfortable, quite frankly, uh, family members that had taken advantage, co-workers that had uh, tainted the their working relationships, etc. And then from the Me Too movement, right before the new year, or right into the new year, um, was born the Time's Up movement, which made its glamorous yet very uh, serious uh, welcome, if you were, entrance into the world at the Golden Globes um, as men and women uh, stood in solidarity with women of all industries who have experienced sexual harassment um, at the hands of someone who was... Um, at the hands of anyone, quite frankly. I'll, I'll leave it open like that. Um, prior to that, you know, we've had a lot of movements. There were many boycotts last year, primarily the NFL, which totally sucks because the Eagles are doing so great this year. Um, fingers crossed for Saturday. Um, the NFL boycott, the boycott of, uh, of uh, larger corporations, which did not align their values with social values of the people, if you will, um, there was just a lot of movement. And it looks like this year people are mobilizing to take action. Um, so we just want to know, like, is 20, 2018 the year of transformation? Because it seems like that. It seems like things are actually changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, you know, when you, when you say movement, I think that's, to me, that's the key word. And when I was at the Brooklyn Conference, um, damn, and I can't, I hate that I forgot her name. Um, one of the women who started the Black Lives Matter, um, damn. April? It's okay. Uh, yeah. One right. of the founders so, of Black Lives Matter. But she was saying, you know, someone asked her if Black Lives Matter was a fad or if it was a movement. And she said, well, it's on its way to becoming a movement. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, if you if you'd ask me at that moment, if it was a movement, I would have said, yeah, because everyone's saying it, everyone's using it as um, a pushback or a call to action. But she was saying that it's actually when people start doing things, when they start mobilizing is when it becomes a movement. And so, like, to me, like, that's what all of those those examples that you that you mentioned um that's that's what all those examples that you mentioned were what that's what they were doing it was people actually moving move, moving 
so that's the boycotting the NFL. It's with the Me Too, the women who are writing their stories and sharing their stories. That's what's going to make 2018 the year of transformation because it's it's really about being brave. And I think that's with with these hashtags, it's almost a um, it's empowering. It's it's giving you the license to actually speak your truth in a way that you a lot of people didn't feel empowered to before. I think what's so powerful about the Me Too movement is not only that our people are speaking up, but the fact that they're being heard. Mm-hmm. See, like, my, my I mean, I, I put this down, like, but, like, one thing that is always on my mind and, and as these stories keep coming out, allegations and people getting fired, is that these things have been happening for a long time. And there are probably women, women, allies who have spoken up, supported, mm-hmm. but nothing has happened. Pe- people, agencies, companies have turned their eye on it because it wasn't, at, it wasn't a big enough obstacle to be recognized and to, to be noticed and, and to actually be dealt with. So I think that with the Me Too movement, it's not only that, yes, women are, and women and, and men are, are empowered to speak up, but when they speak up, something is done. Uh-huh. That's the important part. Because if I, if I know some situation and I see a friend who's been through the same situation and she speaks up or he speaks up and nothing's happening, what do, what's going to go through my mind when I go through that situation? Why do you think it took so long to get here? Fear. You I think mean, it's just fear, though? Um, it's it's fear, and then it's also a lack of understanding. Um, so much of, and I think this, this, and I think I may have said this about myself, where especially when it comes to sexual harassment um, or assault, there was so many things that were in the gray area for me personally, a year ago, two years ago, actions, whether I did it or my friends did it, that I wouldn't have categorized it as that. I think it's a mixture of the two, and it's not just on the side of men, it's also on the side of women. So if you've been socialized to think that things were normal, then you weren't categorizing certain actions that were done to you as sexual assault or rape or, or harassment. And then it's also the fear of retaliation of what reporting someone could do to your career. There's a reason why a lot of this, why a lot of the call to actions say that you can do it anonymously because in the past people have been blacklisted or um, fired for calling things out. So I think the mixture of those two things has is the reason why it's taken so long to get to this point where we're actually seeing a significant amount of of movement and repercussions for um, the transgressions. I think it's a, I think it's actually a mixture of our current political climate, the fact that this is a social movement. You know, social media has blown up. 
And it has been a tool to uncover truths, whether it's body cams, whether it's been Facebook Live. You know, there are more ways to get your message out there to the world. And I think things kind of moved faster, right, catalyzed, when during in our political like election. And I, I, so I yeah, I, I, I yes. I, I think I agree with both of those things. I think the thing about it that I think has changed is the social equity that women have now than they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and beyond, right? More women are working. More women are single, quite frankly. More women are making a hell, lot, hell of a lot more money than they were in the past. Um... I, I, I feel strongly that there is an air of independence where, to Simeon's point, yes, there was fear. You were, you were afraid. You weren't, let me not say you weren't afraid to die. Some people were afraid. Exists. But there was, a, there was a fear of losing your livelihood where I also believe that now. And your life. And your life. But speaking about, speaking specifically to like the financial piece of it because if you read a lot of these stories like if you listen to uh, read Selma Hayek's um, experience with Harvey Weinstein if you read Lupita Nyong'o's experience with Weinstein there's always this fear of not being able to support yourself provide for yourself because somehow this person because I'm not always I don't necessarily only think that men sexually harass you but just in general the people sexual sexually harassing you are in somehow um somehow have the uh the power to stop you from eating, stop you from living your dreams. And I feel like because we've come to a point where we are all more self-aware of our personal empowerment or a lot more people in the spotlight, rather, who have platforms such as pod, from podcasts to, to being a director and a producer of a movie, you feel more empowered to essentially speak up on behalf of yourself and recognizing that you have community behind you to support you. And I feel like that's also changed in addition to, um, uh, which was probably catapulted by the political movement that not just start, that didn't just start in 2016, but started way back, let's say in 2000, when when uh, women voters, the amount of women voters increased, and there were a lot of conversations about contraception, contra contraceptives, and and uh, other other things of that nature. So I think fear played a role, a lack of empowerment played a role, and an increase in platform for regular people like like you guys and I. Like we just have more opportunity and social media to speak our truths to more people and impact the world in ways that we weren't able to do so like 10 years ago. And like, I, I just, well, oh, there's one more thing. So like, there's also, there's also this thing that like, I think there are less people that excuse sexual harassment or, or letting, allowing people make, to make you feel uncomfortable. So you said earlier to the listener question, don't let anybody silence you. And there's this, there is a writer uh, from France, uh, Catherine Millette, who um, essentially uh, her and, and, and uh, some colleagues uh, wrote an op-ed about how essentially the Me Too movement 
um, and the French, um, the French uh, fract- faction, if you will, of the Me Too movement, which is Blanc Ton Pork or Call Out Your Pig, um, which calls out the people that are sexually um, disrespecting you. She basically wrote that rape is a crime, but trying to seduce someone, even ask, even persi- persistently or uh, cack-handedly, is not is not. Nor is men being gentleman, gentlemanly a macho attack. They wrote, men have been punished, forced out of their jobs, and forced out of their jobs when all they did was touch someone's knee or try to steal a kiss. And I look at that and how she how so quickly like they minimalize somebody touching your personal space. Somebody touching you, period, is a problem. Somebody trying to steal a kiss from your lip. First of all, you don't know where everybody's mouth been. Like, let's just be real. Like, it just goes back to just, this is how people catch mono, and then they wonder why they sick. <laughs> so you trying to steal a kiss <laughs> is more than just you making me feel uh, sexually d- uncomfortable, but you're dirty. Like, I don't right. know you. And the fact that, that there are people that think that's okay, Right. I think what's changed is there are less people that think that way, that, oh, he just kissed me. It's, it's fine. I'll get over it. Because the reality is, if I don't get over it, it's a problem. If right. I want to hold a grudge because you stole my pencil in second grade, I'm going to hold my grudge. It's a problem. Right. It's true. If you, you disrespect my yeah. boundaries, it's a problem, period. Exactly. Because and I feel like we feel more, com- more com- confident calling that out. But I, I also think it's, like it's, it's how you feel is how you feel. How and, I feel is how and, I feel. And one of the, the key things that's been happening with, with all of these stories is what, what I'm seeing as a man from the outside and looking at the women who are talking about it is that a lot of women are realizing, are hearing how another woman felt and realizing they felt that way. And they probably, and it's it's almost like with, with racism a little bit, mm-hmm. where people start becoming woke, where you're like, I've been feeling like shit about this thing and I haven't been able to put my finger on why I feel like shit. Mm. And then you hear someone telling their story and they're contextualizing that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of women, that's what what's what's happening is like boys will be boys has been the way that they've justified it in the past. And now you're hearing, no, that's actually assault. Right. That's actually harassment. This is these are the terms for the feelings that you're feeling. You're going to have an awakening. Right. And what you do after that, what we're seeing is what's happening, what women are doing after they're having that awakening where one. What that person did to me was fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to call it out. And, I, and and to me, like, that's that's kind of what is the most powerful thing about these movements is and I think that's when you look at the me too especially that's kind of the core of it it's like mm-hmm. you're hearing someone else's story and you can say me too like that's what happened and let's be clear you you for for anybody that is not clear because you know like I got comedian friends on Facebook and people that think they funny and they're like oh, Dave Chappelle I think I, here's the thing I I'm not about to be out here faulting Dave Chappelle because, A, he's a comedian, and I think comedians touch on touchy topics. Mm-hmm. I've heard Dave Chappelle say some shitty things about racism, and I'm just like, 
I mean, shit. I mean, it was funny. It's wrong. What you said was right. dead wrong, but it's funny. And I don't agree, but I laughed. And there's that. that there's that. However, with Dave Chappelle talking about um, uh, Louis C.K. masturbating in front of a woman versus rape, there are quite a lot of people that, in an, in an honest, it's okay to me, you can, you can, you can laugh. I watched was, the stand-up was, and was I was shitty. like, I did, the way I took it, I was like, Wait, I probably would have had more content after that about comedy. Like, I probably would have went in on him because that man is not attractive for the least no. bit. But whatever. She, The woman that reported, she was uncomfortable, period. It was right. outside of her bounds of things she find, she deems acceptable, right? The reality is there are a lot of people that just think that because you're not physically hurt, you shouldn't cry. Yes. And the reality is, bruh, if I tell you, you can't tell me how. My, my homeboy gave me the best advice one day, and he was like, you can never tell me. If you hit me, you can't tell me how hard I hit you back. It doesn't matter if you felt like I, you just touched me, you just tapped me. You just hovered over me. If you invade my space, you can't tell me how to react after that. Exactly. So I'm uncomfortable, and I and I call it assault because I told you I don't like this, or I told you no, or it made me feel uncomfortable. Or I've told you no before. You can't get mad when I bring it up, and and hashtag me too around it and make it a big deal. I don't care if it's ten years down the road when you. When you think too much of yourself to not stop and think, am I doing something that's invading somebody else's privacy? And privacy is not just behind closed doors. Privacy is in my personal space. Angel space is what we used to call it in Catholic school. When you invade my personal space, you cannot tell me that I can't tell you to back the fuck up off me. Whether I tell you now or later, you're going to catch it. So the reality is moving forward, everybody needs to be careful. No, you may not be able to grab that girl and dance with her in the club and yank her arm half the way off. You may not be tell somebody that they filling out that skirt because it looks good and you've said it to them before. You may not be able to kiss a random woman because you're drunk and you just feel like that's something you do. You may not be able to just whisper about how hard your dick got to somebody that you don't know because you thought it would be funny. You may not be able to do... Anything that you thought was funny because that's the type of shit that you were taught as a young man or quite honestly a young pervert, whoever the hell you are, that it was okay to live your life like that. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to say it. And there are millions of women out there now and clearly cross culture who are also now unafraid to say that they feel discomfort with the things you say, the things you do, and the things you talk about saying or doing in the future. But it's not only, like, saying, like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. My thing is, after you say it, like, you get a side eye, like, excuse me? Body language <laughs> is real. The like, same way you can talk about, oh, I know she won it because the way her body language was. When I side eye you, whether I side eye you or give you the finger. Yeah. And again, to your point earlier, you cannot silence. You cannot silence. Don't let people silence you. So, speak up. Like, I think... So, solutions because yeah. we're at three over three minutes now i think as solutions we were talking earlier like our our uh word for this season is mobilization you got to be more about doing 
than you are just about saying. Um, because the reality is at this point, if you look at the political climate globally, our lives literally depend on it. Our legacies depend on it. And our lineage depends on it. Our offspring, like our kids, our future kids or family members. Like we, we basically are resetting culture. We're resetting the tone for culture right now in, in various, in many, in all industries, quite frankly, and with how we respond to how people treat us. Um, so these movements that are going to continue to happen because there are many other things. We haven't, we, we haven't even seen Black Lives Matter or whatever else grows out of, of the racial movement side. Um, we haven't even seen what that can do. We, this idea of, of, um, with with everyone talking about Latinos taking over as the of as the majority. more populated race or the majority in the United States, we haven't even seen what they can do now. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm all about mobilization. Shout shout out to all of these women and all of these people who are standing together to mobilize and to do and to form safe spaces so people can feel empowered. Um, because while we let people, lo- while we let people lose or let them fail in 2017 we're it's going to hurt them in 2018 your pockets your body whatever like your mistakes are going to come back to not haunt you but hurt you we're telling people how to treat like treat yourself or treat ourselves listen that you I mean that's you that hit me so you true. can't tell you, me i can't hit you back it's a fight <laughs> i mean my thing is the reaction after true. like I mean, yeah I mean, but that's that's I think that's that's the the key thing is that, you know, especially going back to the social equity where men have no other choice but to listen. And I think in in the past where, you know, I guess basically like the social equity for women was lower and men could you could basically tell a man you were hurting and he could be like, nah, that's mm-hmm. not real. Now, I think what women are saying like it's 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 actually be take being taken as face value um my solution i and i think what i'll probably do for this season is specifically talk to men um because one thing that was said and i think it was the last episode of last season where we were talking about situational shit um and you were like well no nah, it shouldn't be situational as like mm-hmm. What what I'm doing now is, um, personally, is is leaning into those pangs in my stomach where somebody says some shit and I'm like, oh, I fucked up. Um, and so that was one of the pangs where I was like, you know what, you're, you're right. It shouldn't be situational because locker room talk is locker room talk. Locker room talk fosters sexual assault, rape, harassment, all of that shit. So my solution for this episode is for men to lend their privilege or their social equity, whatever it is that you want to call it to this. Um, stop or stop negating what women say. I think that's, that's one of the, the, the keys to this whole mess is women saying, this is what I felt. This is what I went through. And you starting your next, your response to it with but or no or some other shit that negates what they say. 
listen, like that's to me, to me, I think that's the, the starting point. If you haven't been listening, then you should start listening. Shut the fuck up. It's, it's actually really simple. Um, when you're talking, you can't listen to what someone's saying. So start by shutting up, take a good month and listen to what women are saying and start putting yourself in their shoes because if you've ever felt uncomfortable and, and a lot of men probably haven't because you've been taught to and I'm, I'm just speaking from from this as a man like we've been taught to take up space like that has been one of I mean you get big in the gym like it, it, it's all about taking up space so for at least the next couple of weeks while this movement uh, of time times up is starting to kick off just be quiet and listen and take in what they're saying because the reality is this is one of those moments where you're really choosing on what side of history you want to be on and if you want to be on the side that's progressive or if you want to be on the side that's going to keep oppressing people especially if you're a man of color where you should understand what oppression feels like you should understand what it means to be on the receiving end of some fuck shit so the action is shut up listen and then proceed well said well said well thanks for this first episode of season three guys really appreciate it thank you for everybody listening in um make sure you guys do us a favor uh holla at us on facebook at facebook.com backslash mixed company podcast uh, we are on Instagram and on Twitter as Ask Mixed Company. And then you can always hit us up on the website and shoot us an email. Um, email is askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Website is mixedcompanypodcast.com. We will holler at y'all later. Um, peace. Later, guys. Bye. Bye.